welcome. Thank you for joining us here at ICGC Caris Temple Podcast. Pastor Prince Nyako is the head pastor of ICGC Caris Temple, serving under the leadership of Dr. Mentor Otabel. Pastor Prince is a dynamic preacher of God's unadulterated word, characterized with a strong prophetic insight and prayer ministry. He is a strong advocate for discipline and order in the body of Christ, with messages centered on fasting, holiness, prayer, and integrity. And now, to today's message. Meeting, we are praying to God that as we have come to hear his word, his word, our hearts will be prepared to receive the word that is coming to us today. We are praying that in faith and in understanding we shall receive the word of God. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear your word. We pray for your presence in our midst. Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts to receive your word. We pray that with understanding we shall receive your word, that it shall be of benefit to us in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will prepare our hearts like good soil. And as your word is living and active, we pray that as it comes, may it come to bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. We pray that none shall live here the same in the name of Jesus. Meleba canteria pantaka daria baraba Banduria babo se canteria pa Father, I pray for the grace to speak your word tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus that by your spirit you will give me clarity of speech. I pray that I will present the word in a, in a way that is understanding to your people in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we bless you for what you are about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Please kindly take your seats. So tonight we are starting our series on motivation. September is declared as our month of motivation. And this Tuesday we are starting the series on it. Now, when we talk about motivation, it can be said to be a mystery in life. In the sense that it is something that cannot be seen in the lives of people. It is something that cannot be touched. It is intangible. It is something that can drive someone to achieve something so notable, something so great, and you stand afar and wonder what it is that is driving the person to do whatever he or she is doing or to pursue whatever it is that she or he or she is pursuing. But you will not be able to see it unless probably the person explains to you that there is something that is serving as a drive, something that has, is driving he or she to do or focus on that um, cause that he or she is focusing on and putting all the energy to be able to achieve it. So motivation, sometimes when you are afar back, is something that you cannot explain. And so sometimes it's considered to be a mystery, especially in the lives of people who are able to achieve great and mighty things. Now, it's something that is not possessed by everyone. For instance, when you see two people who are writing an examination, who are about to write an examination, and you realize that one of them is so focused on their books, continuously studying morning, day, and night, 
trying to pass the papers, then you see the other person so lackadaisical, doesn't seem so bothered about whether he or she will pass. So you realize that one of them is motivated to make it or to pass very well in the exams. The other person is not so bothered about it. There seems to be no motivation. And it could be that one of them, the one that is probably studying is because he or she is coming from a background where there's so much poverty, maybe this is his only opportunity of writing an exam. The parents probably had to so sell their valuables to be able to help him register for the exam. And so he's motivated by the fact that I am coming from a background of poverty. This is an opportunity for me to escape, help my family to escape. So whatever I must do to pursue and make sure that I finish these exams and pass well is, is, is what is driving or motivating the person. The other person who may seem so lackadaisical about maybe coming from a background where whether he or she passes, he is probably going to get a job in a company or probably he is already employed as he's sitting or the father owns a company. So there's probably no motivation in the person. So you realize that there are two people here. One is motivated to pursue and achieve something in life, but the other person is not motivated in any way. So motivation is not something that we can say that everybody has when it comes to achieving a particular goal, a particular purpose in life. But when we take our lives as Christians, you see, when you, um, you realize that God has called us all to achieve various purposes in life, great and mighty things, his plans for us are of good and not of evil. And so when you read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5, when God was calling Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you came out, before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. So you realize that right from birth he had been called. But as he grew to adulthood, God informed him that I have put something in you because I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. And you read, when you read the book of Jeremiah, you, you see that Jeremiah faced so many obstacles when he was delivering the word of God to the people, when he was prophesying to the people. But God had put so much deposit, so much potential in him and given him the ability, but motivated by the word that he had heard from God, that he was a prophet to the nations. He knew his calling was from God, and so he was motivated to keep speaking the word of God, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of obstacles. And so we have so many potentials in our life. We have so many gifts we have so many talents but you see your ability to be able to make use of these potentials will be determined by your motivation in life how motivated you are to achieve something in life if you are not motivated in life if you go about your duties without any motivation you you um, you approach things in a way that there seem to be no agency you might end up going through life year after year, but not achieving so much because there is no motivation, there is no agency. You don't see any reason why you should go the extra mile to be able to achieve something in life. But I pray for us here tonight and for all those who are listening online that we will be motivated in life, whatever it is that we are pursuing, every good cause that we are pursuing in life. I pray to God that each and every one of us will be motivated to be committed to that cause, to be enthusiastic to show enthusiasm towards whatever it is that God has called us to do so that we'll be able to achieve purpose in the name of Jesus. We, when, when you talk about motivation, it is derived from the word motive. 
And when you look at the word motive, it means a moving cause. Motive means a moving cause or an inner drive. Motive can also be said to be impulse, the impulse with which you do something or your intention for doing something. Motive is a moving cause or an inner drive to achieve something or the impulse or an intention with which you do something. And so when you look at this word, mode, um, impulse, intention, you realize that a lot of people take certain decisions or pursue certain visions or pursue certain goals based on a motive. Sometimes it, it, it just does not come, but it comes with a motive. There is a motivation behind what it is that they are doing or the decisions that they are making. So when you go to the law court, for example, and somebody is being accused of murder and the person is put on trial, the person has killed somebody, and when they go on trial, you realize that one of the things that they will ask is what was the motive for killing the person or what was the intention. And so during the trial, when they realize that the motive or the intention was because the person was defending his life. It was out of self-defense. The person may be acquitted or discharged because they realize that the intention or the drive, whatever made the person kill that person was because his life was at stake. And so he needed to protect himself and the only option was to kill. So because of that, he can be acquitted or discharged. And so the intention or the motive with which you do something is very important. It's like the petrol in a car that causes the car to move. Without it, the car ca cannot move. And so when you have a vision or a goal or something that you want to achieve or be in future, without motivation, it is not likely that you'll be able to achieve that thing. It's not something that you can just wish for. It is something that you must be motivated to work hard towards in the face of obstacles, in the face of difficulties to be able to achieve. So motivation is the drive that is causing you to push. So for instance, if you're at a workplace and all of a sudden you, you are somebody who doesn't go to work early, you don't show much commitment, and then there, there comes about there's going to be a promotion. The moment you hear about it and you start changing your attitude, all of a sudden you used to go to work at 9. Now you go to work at 6.30. You used to close at 3 instead of 5. Now you are closing at 7 p.m. You realize that, yes, you are working hard, but your motivation is because there is a promotion coming up and you want to be part of those who are promoted. So that is what is motivating you. Or maybe you are a young lady and you are, you are supposed to, um, you have reached an age of marriage. And then your reason for marry, um, accepting the proposal of someone is because the person has money or because the person is your ticket to leave the country and go to Europe or to U.S. So even though you are pursuing a particular goal, the motive or whatever it is that is driving you to pursue that vision, it's something that is in it, it's something that is within you. People on the outside may not personally see why you are taking that action, but you are motivated by something to be able to achieve whatever it is that you are pursuing. Now, motivation is not something that can be inherited or transferred from one person to the other. So that we can say that because your father was so zealous, so motivated to achieve certain things in life, that means that so far as you are his son or his daughter, you are also going to have that kind of motivation or enthusiasm towards achieving things. 
Because when you look at the world now, a lot of people are building businesses. And you realize that some of them do not involve their children in, or even sometimes they involve them in. But later on, they pass on and leave a legacy behind for their children. And in some few years to come, you hear that the business has collapsed. The motivation with which the parents started the business or the project or the vision is not the same as the one that the child has. And so he does not approach it with any form of seriousness. He feels that probably he was born into money. There is nothing at stake in life. And so he can approach things any way or anyhow and it will keep moving. Only for him to realize that that is not how it is. So motivation will drive you in the face of adversity, in the face of obstacles to achieve great and mighty things in life. Now, motivation also, your motive by which you do something as a Christian could be godly or ungodly. It could be ungodly in the sense that it can be born out of a selfish desire. It could be born out of something that in the eyes of God, it is not pleasing. For a godly desire, that means that it's something that is driven by the word of God or driven by the Holy Spirit or inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, for example, if you want to do something great in life and based on the word of God, it is in conformity to God's word. It is something that is godly. It is something that is laudable. But as a Christian, if you want to achieve, if you want to do something and the motive with which you are doing it is not something that is not driven by the Holy Spirit, is not something that is pleasing in the eyes of God, it is considered to be what? Ungodly. Motives are weighed by God. God looks behind the intentions with which we pursue every single thing in life. Even if whatever you are doing looks good on the outside and everybody is clapping for you, if the motives behind it are not godly, if it is not driven by the Holy Spirit, if it is not based on the word of God, it is considered to be ungodly. And I would like us to turn our Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2. The Bible says that all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. I would like us to read the NLT version. It says that people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. I would like us to turn also to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 to 10. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 to 10. It says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Can we move to the next verse, please? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So you realize that, as I said earlier, motives cannot be seen. They are secret. They are covered. But the Lord is the one who knows the heart of everyone. He searches the heart of all men. And he knows the reasons, the motives, the intent, the reasons why you pursue certain goals, the reason why you take certain actions, the reason why you undertake certain projects. And he weighs it and knows whether it is godly or ungodly. So, for instance, if you are coming to church every day and your motive for coming to church is because you have a business partner here who you know that after you close, you are going to pursue your business, your business agendas. That means your motive for coming to church is not godly. 
God weighs it and he sees it, though men may not see it. If you come to church and you stand before God to sing, and the reason for singing is for you to seek self-glorification, that reason is secret. It is in your heart. For those of us who may be listening to you, we may not know that that is what is hidden in your heart, but God sees it and is considered to be ungodly. And the most, the most, you know, that what can really deceive a man is what looks good on the outside to all men. When you read um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, it was talking about Paul. At a, um, Paul was talking about um, some, a group of people who were preaching out of wrong motives. Um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. And he said, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The next verse. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. The next verse. But the other of love, knowing that I am set, I am set for the defense of the gospel. The next one. The next verse, please. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. When you read other versions to say that some of them were preaching out of the wrong motives. The reason why they were preaching was because they were jealous of Paul. Some were also doing it so that he would get into more trouble. So though the preaching of the gospel to everybody is something that is good, inside within them, they were preaching it for the wrong reasons. And those motives are considered to be ungodly before God. But I pray for every one of us who is listening to my voice that we will always have the right motives, godly motives for every single action that we take. Be it in the church, be it at our workplace, be it in our marriages, be it in our families, wherever we find ourselves, whatever reason that we have for doing everything that we do, may it be out of godly motives, may it be out of the right motive, may it not be out of selfishness or because of what you are going to get out of it or because you wanted to bring affliction to somebody in the name of Jesus. Now we are going to look at some people in the Bible who were motivated to accomplish great things in life based on, on the right motives. And the first person that we'll talk about is the man Abraham. I would like us to turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. And it says, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now let's turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. Genesis 15, verse 1 to 6. And these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given, hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thy heir, thy heir, but he that shall come 
forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy end. Please, can we use the NLT version for that? And it says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many your descendants will have. The next one. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now we see from the scripture that in the, um, chapter 12, we see God, um, Abraham encountering God for the first time. And God telling him that he should go to a place where he's leading him. And that he was going to make him a man of many nations. Many nations were going to come out of him. Now, you go to, he, go, he starts working with God. He goes with his family, and he sets off his servants and all that he had. And then he keeps working with God. Now, it comes to a point where God has told him in the chapter 12 that he is going to be a man of many nations. That means he's going to have children. But in chapter 15, he had worked with God for some time, and he was not seeing any sign of it. He did not have a child. And so when God appeared to him in a vision again in the chapter 15, telling him that he was going to make him great. Then he said that, God, as at now, I do not have a son. There is nothing to show for that. I am going to be a man of many nations. But God said that, no. So he thought that, okay, he is going to give me a son, an heir through my son, Eliezer. But God said, no. The word that I spoke to you at the very beginning, it still stands. You are going to have an heir. You are going to have your own son. And out of that, I am going to make you a man of many nations. And the Bible says that Abraham believed that word. And it was accounted unto him as righteousness. That means that even though he had worked with God for some years, his age, he was getting older and older. His wife was getting older. There was no sign of that word of God. But he was motivated to keep working with God because the word of God was true. He had faith in that word that it will stand. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we come to the point in our lives where we have heard so much words from God. Sometimes it is through our personal interaction, our daily devotion, our personal um, studying of the word. There are certain words of God that minister so much to our hearts. Sometimes it is true words of prophecy. Sometimes it is true the words that we are listening to as I'm speaking to you. And you realize that those things are not manifesting. They are telling you that one day you are going to own businesses. But as at where you are standing, in your account, you don't even have one CD. In fact, you are in negative because they keep debiting from your account. And you are wondering how the the business is going to come about. You have been told that you are going to have a child, but the doctors are telling you something that is contrary, just like how it was in the case of Abraham. But the Bible says that Abraham was motivated by the word of God to keep following God, to keep working with God. And the Bible says that it came to pass and Isaac was born. And even after Isaac, there were other sons, there were other children that were born unto Abraham, even in his old age. And he lived long to enjoy it. And I want to encourage us all tonight. Let us be motivated by the word of God that we have heard concerning every aspect of our life. That the word of God is true. It does not lie. It comes to fulfill the purpose for which it was sent. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2 verse 3, it says that for the vision is for an appointed time 
time. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely be accomplished. It doesn't matter how long it seems to be going. It doesn't matter how disappointing it may look at, that, at this time. It doesn't matter how people may be mocking you because it seems as if you are believing a word that does not seem to be true. But like Abraham who at the end of the day, the word of God was fulfilled in his life. Be motivated that the word of God is true. It will fulfill its purpose and it will manifest in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Another person that we'll look at is the man Joseph. And for that one, when you read Genesis from chapter 38 to 41, chapters 38 to 41, you read about the account of Joseph. For the sake of time, I'll not be able to go through it all. But you see that Joseph was a man who was motivated by the dreams that he had to be committed to God, not to compromise in his stand with, um, with God. And at the end of the day, he was able to achieve great things in life. The Bible says that when he was young, he had dreams. He had dreams that he would be the leader in his family, that his family would come and bow down to him. And so with that vision, you can imagine when you are young. And sometimes when we are young, we have so many dreams. And some of them look so glorious. And we know, we go, we wake up and you know within you that this one is from God. Something good, something mighty, something great is coming in my life. Sometimes it might not necessarily be dreams that you have at night. But they are dreams, things that you imagine. Things that you sit down and you conceive in your mind. Of where you want to go to in life. Where you want to get to highs that you want to get to, things that you want to achieve. Sometimes it comes when you see other people in those same um, levels and you, when you see them, you know that, no, this one, I know that I am supposed to achieve such great and mighty things. And you are so motivated, but as time goes on, like Joseph, you start facing obstacles. You start, you realize that it started with a betrayal from his brothers. The people that he least expected and that were his brothers, his blood. The people that he least expected to betray him, they were the ones that began his, 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 his trials in life. They sold him and he was made a slave. And when he was made a slave, he was committed to his work. Because of his fear for God, he knew that wherever he found himself, he was supposed to work as unto God and not unto man. And so he was so dedicated in Potiphar's house that everything that he touched was blessed. And Potiphar was blessed out of it. But then the devil came in and he was lied upon. And because of that, he had to be in prison. And when he went into prison, he, if you look at it, he showed that same commitment in the prison because of the God he said, because of whose child he was. He was committed to it. He was dedicated to it. And because of that, he was also made a head there. Only for him to help people and for those people to forget about him. And that was another betrayal because he felt that they were his ticket out of the prison. But they went out and then they forgot about him. But the Bible says that Joseph... Did not, he did not relent in his work towards God or in his faith towards God. And finally, a time came where he was given an opportunity to come out of the prison. And in the same way, because he had dreams, because he knew that there was something about his life, there was something great that was to come, he used that as his motivation to keep pursuing God, to keep following God. And probably he had heard stories about God from his father Jacob. That he was in his mind. He knew that the God that he said was a God that was not going to fail him. And motivated by that, he kept pursuing the, um, the, 
He kept being committed to the work of God. And at the end of the day, he was lifted up. And the Bible says that when he became the prime minister and the people, his family had to come to him, they came and they had to bow to him and they asked for forgiveness. But he told them that though what they did was meant for bad, God turned it out for good and out of it, his family did not perish. The whole world benefited out of it. So he realized that what um, Joseph went through in his life became a source of motivation. He did not allow it to make him embittered, but he rather made it become a source of motivation to him. And so I want to encourage us all. I don't know whatever it is that you are suffering at the hands of people because you have purposed your mind to achieve certain goals and visions in life. No matter the obstacles you are facing, I want to admonish us, don't be embittered, but be motivated. Don't be embittered. Embittered is when you become resentful, where you, maybe you are an orphan, you grew up with people who did not really show you love. You grew up with people who did not show you the kind of care that you deserve. And so because of that, sometimes you become so resentful. You look at life in a, very, in a totally miserable way. You become so embittered that you don't give out any good out of you. But I want to encourage you that let that be a motivation for you to aspire to achieve great things so that you will build orphanages that will, be show, um, will have a loving environment for other children to grow. It could could be that you found it very difficult to go through school because there was no one to pay for your school fees. If by the grace of God a way has come out for you to come out, don't say that because all my uncles did not remember me, all my aunties did not remember me. Me too, as I am living, as I, I, I am moving on in life, I am not going to think about any. No, don't be embittered. Rather, be motivated. Decide that out of what you have gone through, you are going to build schools that people who do not have the ability to pay fees will even come for free. Let the issues that you go through in life, like Joseph, not leave you embittered. Let it rather be a motivation for you to achieve your dreams, for you to achieve great things in life in Jesus' name. Amen. The next person that we will talk about is Caleb. And I would like us to turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 14. Verse 10 to 14. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 to 14. Now, as you can see, this is Caleb talking. The Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. Other versions will say mountain. That the Lord promised me. You remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great world towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. Again, he said, and if the Lord is with me. He said, and if the Lord is with me. I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. Verse 13. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephana, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephana, the Kenazite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Amen. So now we see a man, we see Caleb. He had grown old. He was now 85 years. They had reached the land of Canaan. Now they were 
taking over the, um, the citizens that were there. They were fighting them and conquering them. And he said that he wanted to take the mountain side, the mountain that was the mountain of Hebron. That's where he wanted to go and fight and capture that place and make it his own for himself and generations after him. Now, when you look at the, the scenario, it looks quite odd. I'm sure a lot of young men who were there at that time were probably looking at him and wondering what an old man who wants to go to the mountaintop to go and fight there to achieve, to be able to capture that place. But you see, Caleb was motivated by the fact that God was with him. He said that if God is with me, and beloved, God is with us. Every one of us sitting here, God is with us. And like Caleb was able to capture that mountain for himself and for the generations after him. It doesn't matter the mountain that is before you. If you understand that God is with you, he is with you to fight every battle that you will go through. The Bible says that what in, in Zechariah, he said, what are you, all great mountain before Zechariah? Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God. Because of God being with you through his spirit, you are able to overcome every mountain, every obstacle, every challenge that you might be facing in life. You might be here, you have not even been able to go to the university, but maybe you aspire to be a professor to get a PhD and be a professor, or be even a vice chancellor of a university. At where you are, it seems like a mountain, because probably you are not even going to write remedials. Whether you will pass or not, maybe you had F's in chains, it looks like a mountain. But so far as God is with you, if you can just take that step, that Caleb too, and begin to move towards that mountain, knowing that God is with you, you will be able to overcome it. I believe that there is nothing that shall be impossible for you. If you are here, you are in a marriage, and it looks like there are so many obstacles, so many mountains, so many challenges that you are facing, and you look at other people's marriage and it looks so good, you are wondering, where can my own ever get there? I am telling you, like Caleb, it doesn't matter how long the issues have been standing. Caleb was very old, but he was able to capture. No matter how long the situation has been, because God is with you, you are able to capture, you are able to overcome, you are able to achieve whatever it is that you look at so gloriously. It is possible for you because God is with you. And I want you to say to yourself, God is with me. So whatever mountain is before me, I am able to capture, I am able to surmount it, I am able to overcome it, and it shall be mine in the name of Jesus. When you read Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, the NLT version, it says that, and the Lord, do, it says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So God is telling you that well, it doesn't matter how bad or ugly it looks now. The vision is there. Have that vision. Keep your eyes fixed on it. Have that plan. Have that goal. You are able to achieve it. Don't look at your circumstances now and decide that, no, okay, I wanted to get to university, do my master's in future, but the way things are going, you let me aspire to get at least a degree. Or, okay, I wanted to start this business, but the way everywhere I go, they keep saying that they will not give me a contract. Okay, you know, I will not go anymore. I will not even go searching for contracts again. No. Like Caleb, you are able to because God is with you. Do not be afraid. Amen. Amen. 
The next person that we will look at is Joshua. Joshua. And I would like us to turn our Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And for that one, um, it's quite a long scripture. It's almost the whole chapter. So we'll just pick certain verses inside. And this is the man, um, Joshua was amongst the 12 spies that were sent to go to the land of Canaan to go and spy the place, to find out about what is really going on in the land before they entered into it. So Moses and the people had left Egypt. They had been promised that they were going to Canaan, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They left with so much joy, so, so much enthusiasm. They had faced obstacles. Now they had come to a point where they were just about entering. And God asked them that they should send spies there. And so they sent the spies there. Now when they sent the spies there, when you read the verse 27, let's go to Numbers 13, verse 27. When they came, they gave a good report of the place. It says that this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So they came with a bunch of fruit to show the kind of fruits that were going there. So Joseph went amongst the spies. He saw that truly the land was flowing with milk and, and he saw it with his eyes, gani gani, as some people will say. And he had heard about it for long. As they were coming, we are going to a land flowing with milk and honey. We are going to a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, out of the millions of people that left, he was amongst the 12 that were asked to go and spy. And he goes and he sees for himself. And then some of them go that, oh, we saw the sons of Anak, the giants. We will not be able to overcome them. They will destroy us. But Joshua kept to the word of God, and he said that they were able. Now, when Moses died, and Joshua was now supposed to lead the people into the land of Canaan, when he went, he was motivated by what he had heard, one. And he was motivated by what he saw when he went there as a spy. So he knew that as they kept conquering nation by nation, as they kept moving, the Bible says that wherever the soles of their feet will tread, they will possess. So as they kept moving on, Joshua was motivated by the fact that we are moving as we keep moving on. We are going further and further, getting a, a, a greater portion of a land that is flowing with milk and honey. That was going to enrich them. That was going to be a blessing to them. So sometimes... The things that we hear, the things that we see can be a source of motivation for us in life. And it really depends on what you decide to focus on. Now, you are hearing of people, young people, who are inventing things like Facebook, Twitter, and things who are, um, are, are able to get millions out of it. Those stories should motivate you to let you know that out of nowhere, if you can sit and pray and plan and think, an idea can come to you that can be an answer to a problem in this world. That can be a breakthrough for you and your family and generations after you. You can decide about what you have seen in the lives of people. Let's say you have seen the marriages of people. You have seen a couple that seems to be, their marriage seems so glorious. It is something beautiful. You see it and you comment about it. 
let that be the motivation for you to also work hard on your marriage, for you to be able to achieve the kind of marriage that you are seeing. You see somebody riding a big car, and you see that this person is somebody who has worked hard all his life. He started from a very poor background. He has worked hard, and he has achieved it. Be motivated by such stories to also work hard, to achieve such things in life. You hear about people who started a business from scratch on a tabletop. They started with a small contract of, let's say, 200 Ghana CDs. Now, by the grace of God, they are hand handling contracts that are in millions of CDs. Be motivated by such stories and pursue whatever it is that you are pursuing in life and believe that you are also able to achieve it. Let the good things, let the great things, let the glorious things that you hear about people or you see in the lives of people motivate you to also achieve things. Don't just sit down and wish for it and expect that it will come to you or by laying on of just hands it will come. Be motivated and as you are motivated, take the step towards it. Take, make decisions that are in line with those things. And God being with you, you will be able to achieve them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last person I would like to talk to is about Jesus Christ, about one who was able to pursue, who was motivated to pursue and achieve something great. I would like us to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life, I'd like us to read the King James Version for this one, please. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be worried and faint in your minds. I think we can end here. Amen. So we see... Jesus Christ going through so much affliction, going through so much pain. And the Bible says that he was looking at the joy that was set before him. He was looking at where he was going to be in future, set at the right-hand side of God, a place of glory, a place of honor. He was looking at the fact that through his life, many others were also going to get the opportunity to also be called the children of God. He was looking at the defeat he was going to have over the devil so that he will not be able to have any power over the people that he call as his, um, God calls as his children. And so because of that, the Bible says that he endured. He endured and he despised. That became his motivation. The motivation of what was going to be accomplished at the end of the day. The motivation of the, of the beauty, the glory that was going to be seen. And that is what, what I want to encourage us by. That whatever we are going through, whatever affliction we are going through, especially in our work with God, the Bible is asking us to lay aside the weights that easily beset us. The, 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 the habits, the things that we do that seem to drag us in our Christian life. The, 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 the things like procrastination, being complacent about the things of God, not being serious about the work of God, being lazy. The, the things that have become your weaknesses that you find difficult to detach yourself 
from. The sins that you do in secret, the Bible is asking us to lay them aside, to put them all off. And why should we do that? Because there is someone that we can look up to who was able to endure the pain that we think we are going through now. And the person was able to achieve a place of glory. And so there is a glorious end for us, just like how Jesus had a glorious end. If you look at Jesus, if you focus on him, that in spite of it all, he was able to endure. I mean, consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners, lest he be worried and faint in your minds. When you read the verse 4, he says that, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That means that what Jesus even went through, you have not even gone through even, uh, uh, let's say, 1% of it yet. And so you should not give up. Be motivated to keep pushing. Yes, you might faint along, you might fall along the way, but rise up and continue working. The fact that you have fallen does not mean that you should remain there. Look at Jesus. Look at what he was about, he was able to achieve at the end of the day. Look at the glory that was set before him and know that by his grace, you are able to achieve it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, there was, there's a man called Paul Mayer. He is considered to be an authority in self-improvement. And he does that through personal motivation. And there were five things that he listed as danger signs that could show that your motivation in life is diminishing. And so as, as I talk about them, if you realize that these things are being seen in your life, that means you have to pay particular attention to them because they can cause you to lose your motivation and achieve the, and the great visions that you might have in your life. The first thing is, is doubt. Doubt where you question your ability to be able to do the task in your life, where you start wondering whether you are capable, whether you have what it takes to achieve whatever it is that you are pursuing. It can be that you are in school, you've written the first exams, you have failed. Yes, you see, the reason, the, the fact that they have made provision for another exams to be written means that you have what it takes to be able to get it the next time you write. If there was nothing like being able to pass the next time you write, there wouldn't have been a reset. So the moment that another opportunity is being given in the area where you have failed before means that you have what it takes to overcome and win in that same thing that you failed the first time. Don't give up and sit down and say that because I failed the first time, that is my end. There is no way I can go back and go and write and study. No. Don't limit yourself. Don't doubt your capabilities. The first time you went, you failed. Go again. You'll be able, even if you go the second day. I know somebody that wrote remedials almost about five times. At the end of the day, the person passed. The person owns his own business and is employing people. And so do not sit down and doubt your abilities because you saw a fail. Go back, study, write. Look at the things you did wrong the first time. Maybe the first time you were lazy, if you are honest with yourself. The first time you were not serious with your studies. Maybe the first time you did not take advantage of the opportunities that came your way. This time around, make the most out of the opportunities and go back and do it. Don't doubt yourself because you failed the first time. Don't doubt the abilities that God has put in you. Don't doubt the potential. He says his plans for you are of good and not of evil to bring you to a good and unexpected end. 
there is an expected end for you. And with God, it is glorious. Because he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is nothing like hoping for something that is shameful. There is nothing like hoping for something that is disappointing. That people will look down and mock you. Rather, there is a glorious end. The fact that it might not look glorious now does not mean that it is the end. You have life, so the end has not come. There is something glorious along the way. If you have failed the first time, get up, dust yourself, and move on. Stop sitting down and wailing and expecting people to come and do pity party with you. It will not push you anywhere. Get up and move on. Amen. Amen. The second thing is procrastination. If you find yourself procrastinating all the time, something that you are supposed to do today, you are being given opportunity to do today, and you keep putting it off by giving flimsy excuses, know that procrastination is a stealer of time. A time will come where the ability to be able to accomplish that thing in an easier manner is no more yours. You might not have it as easily as you thought you could have had it. If you are in a position to do something now, to pursue something great, to go to school, if you are being given an opportunity to maybe work in a place and be committed fully to it, if you are being given an opportunity to commit to something, to serve in the house of God, do not procrastinate and say that I will do it next year. Next year, for you, you might not see it, or when it even comes, the circumstances at that time may not make it conducive for you to now pursue it. And so you will look back and wish that you had that opportunity, but it might not more be available to you. So I want to encourage us all, whatever it is that you have been given to do, if you have the ability to take steps towards it, start taking the steps. Keep following it. It will be achieved at the end of the day. But if you keep procrastinating, whatever you have purpose in your life may not be achieved or it might be delayed and if the delayed gratification sometimes may not be as enjoyable as it is when it is achieved early i mean what it, what is it when maybe at a time when you are um what's it called 30 40 and you have been able to take steps maybe you want to build a house or own your own business and you know that you you had the opportunity to pursue it and because you kept procrastinating and saying i'll do it tomorrow okay i'll go and do the registration i register general next year and in the course of waiting you find out that a contract has come that you were the best person who could have possibly done it and then you go there and they tell you that, where are your registrar general documents? Where is your registration documents? Only for you to say that, no, no, no. Then you are now going to beg a friend for his company name to be able to use to go and register. And that disqualifies you. You realize that you have made a big fool out of yourself because you got a great opportunity. That could have led to many other doors. But because you kept procrastinating, that opportunity has just slipped you by. And it might not just be one opportunity you have lost out of that action. It might be many others. So whatever you have to do now, do it. Don't keep postponing it. If you have remedials to write, don't say, I am going to write it next year. Because you have gotten a job that is paying you maybe 100 Ghana cities or 200 Ghana cities. You're able to buy some few shadows. If go and buy forms, go back to school, and go and make something good out of your life. And you can, because God has put in the ability in you. Amen. Amen. The other thing that can also cause you to be demotivated is when you are devoted to false symbols. In the essence that you make yourself a symbol of something that you are not. You know, there are some people that they want to portray themselves to be to, um, portray themselves to be 
some a kind of people that they are not. They want people to see them in a certain light. Like, for instance, you're a young girl, you go to school. Maybe you come from a humble background. But the moment you enter into university, you are a different person. Anybody that sees you think that you are coming from a big mansion where you are served by many servants, where you don't do anything. And so all you do in university is trying to live a life that will be able to make people keep believing that that is the kind of life that you live when you are not in school. And so you attach yourself to sugar daddies or to sugar mummies or you go into doing certain vices that will help you to get money to maintain that kind of lifestyle. And so because you are so motivated to be able to achieve that kind of image in the eyes of people, rather than focusing on your studies, rather than focusing on something meaningful that will help you to achieve something good in life, because your energy is driven as something false, you have, you have made yourself to be something that you are not. It, it is causing you not to achieve anything. And then one day you get up and you realize that you have wasted your life. It can cause you to lose any motivation to pursue anything because you might have lost so much time, so much opportunities, and you realize that you might not be able to gain them again. So you must be conscious of the kind of image that you portray yourself to be in the eyes of people. If the image that people see you to be is not what you are not, it is a lie, it is fake, it is a mask that you have put on. I want to encourage you tonight, drop it. Drop it before it becomes a snare in your life. Because if you focus your mind and attention in pursuing that thing, and making people believe you. Those people are achieving things in their life. They are focusing on meaningful things and achieving great things. And all you are focusing on is pleasing them. A time will come, you will not be able to dance to their tune. And you will see that you have lost all the opportunities that you have gained in life. And so let us be encouraged not to create such false impressions of ourselves. Because in life, as time goes on, it can be a source of demotivation to achieve any other thing. Because you will feel, you will feel like you have, le you have lived a useless life, a life that was a lie. And you can't even find a way to come out of it to, um, to pursue and achieve something meaningful. Amen. The other thing to is complacency. Complacency is when you are satisfied with good enough. Where you pursue something, let's say you, um, what is it called? You, you finish school. Maybe in your family, you, were, you are the only person who has attained a degree. And so you think that that is good enough. Your wealth has come to its end. That is your pinnacle. And so you do everything, whatever, wherever you go, oh, I'm a degree holder. When the whole family functions, oh, I'm a graduate, I'm a graduate. One thing that you must know is that when something that seems good enough at a particular time goes on, it doesn't last. A time will come, the good enough becomes common and it is no more attractive. People don't seek after it anymore. When you achieve something in life, in level one, know that there is a level two that people have already started pursuing. If you don't pursue the level two, and you sit in level one, you are the borrow there, because people are clapping for you. A time will come where it will not be good enough. People, you will even send certificates with that degree on it, and it will not be looked upon, because people with graduates are the ones who are, who are, um, are, are being considered. It will surprise you to know that 
I, 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 I find myself in the position where I, I employ people. And it will surprise you to know that it has come to the point where you find people who have degrees, who have worked in banks, applying for positions of cashiers. Now, in this case, when you are a JSS graduate and a degree holder who is ready to take the same salary as the one who is a JSS graduate, is there with a has come. And he has experience. The person has worked in a bank before, but because of the COVID crisis, now the person has been laid off. He just wants something that can, he can move on day by day. Now, when you look at it, you would think that your JSS graduate certificate is good enough for the cashier work. So even if you don't pursue, now having that at the back of your mind, a time will come. You will not be chasing that position with fellow JSS graduates so that you will say that you have um, experience. You are pursuing it with um, degree holders. And you can imagine. A degree holder will be considered to have more exposure, and the person will be taken. I'm saying this not to discourage us, but to let us know that they're good enough that you think you have now. Don't be complacent. Keep moving on. If there are higher levels in wherever you are, pursue them, achieve them. Be motivated by the fact that you're good enough is going to get outmoded soon. Pursue excellence. When you pursue excellence, it doesn't get outmoded. Amen. Another thing that can be, can let you lose your motivation, that can be a sign that you have no motivation or you are losing your sense of motivation is when you don't have any sense of purpose in life. You know, there are some people that you can ask them, they can, they can when they are, they are in the house, all they do is sleep. Like they finish school, they, can, they have the opportunity to maybe pursue certain, it might not be a degree or a even, but they have the opportunity to pursue certain certificates or upgrade themselves in something whilst they wait for their results or whilst they are waiting at home, waiting to get employment or to start a business. But all they are doing is sleeping in the house, waiting for something good to come and happen to them. They have no sense of purpose, no sense of urgency. It's like life is at, at, at their beck and call. As and when they are ready to pursue it, that is when life will be ready to give them what they want. It doesn't work that way. If you are in life and you are walking about aimlessly, at any point you are an adult, you are around 18 and above, and they ask you, what is it that you want to achieve in life? Or what are you doing? And you are not able to say anything meaningful. Even if it is not school, go and do internship somewhere. Go and do attachment somewhere. If you do not, and you keep, you keep being laid back, and you keep sitting at home, you keep, you, 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 it's a way of demotivating yourself not to achieve anything. Because when you go out, you are exposed. You see other people moving. So you will be encouraged to also move. But if you are hidden in the house, in your corner, you don't attend seminars to hear what is going on. For example, like Pinkra came and was talking about opportunities and ways that you can go to school outside, funded by um, a bank, so that you pay later. You are just there. Or oh, as for me, I've applied. I am waiting. Okay, if money comes, fine. If money doesn't come, fine. People have gone the extra mile of searching for information, going for seminars 
that gives you an, 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 an opportunity to hear about ways you can find your education. You are sitting at home. That means you have no sense of purpose. That means you have no sense of motivation in life. And a time will come where that is going to bite you in the back. You realize that you got opportunities, but your lack of motivation did not help you to achieve it. Amen. Amen. I would like us to kindly be on our feet and enter into a short time of prayer. Amen. So first of all, I want us to pray based on the scripture in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 where it was talking about the fact that God weighs the, the motives of men. Whatever it is that we have in our hearts, whatever decision that we make, the reasons for the things that we do, God weighs the motives behind it. You want to lift up your voice and pray to God that you always have the right motives for the things you do. You will have godly motives. Your motives, your intentions, your drive for doing anything will not be anything that is contrary to his word, that is contrary to his purposes for you in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray and ask that our motives will be right in your eyes in the name of Jesus. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that our, our motives, our intentions will be influenced by your Holy Spirit, shall be influenced by the word of God in the name of Jesus. It will not be to seek self-glorification. It will not be for selfish reasons, but it will be out of the right motives in the name of Jesus. You want to pray to God that like Joseph, it doesn't matter the obstacles and the challenges that you will face in life. You are praying to God that you will not become bitter in life. You will not be embittered. But those situations, those trials, those persecutions, those betrayals shall rather motivate you to achieve great things in life, to pursue goals that are God-driven, that will cause you to be a generational changer in the name of Jesus. No obstacle, no challenge will be able to put you down, cause you to lose your motivation, but you will keep moving on, you will keep Assuming you will keep running to achieve God's giving purpose for your life in the name of Jesus. You want to pray to God that like Caleb, you will not look at how old you are or the, the, how long you have lost certain opportunities. But whatever mountain that is before you, you are praying that by the grace of God, by God being with you, by the understanding that God is with you and he has gone ahead of you. You are able to conquer that mountain. You are able to overcome it. You you are able to achieve something great in life in the mighty name of Jesus. Malakan teria babosaha me babo shakan teria balaba me babo sakan taria balaba ma bo shakan taria balaba bosaha in the name of Jesus. You are praying to God like Joshua 
what the things that you have seen, the glorious things you have seen, the glorious and mighty things you have heard, that they will motivate you to also achieve great things and even overachieve them in the name of Jesus. You are praying to God that you will not be discouraged by the things that seem like failures, but rather you'll be encouraged by the good things, by the mighty things that are going on around you in the name of Jesus. You are praying that your focus will be on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, endure the cross. You are praying to God that you will be able to endure the challenges you face in life with your eyes focused on Jesus because he was able to achieve by his spirit in you you are also able to overcome and achieve in the name of Jesus you are praying to God that he will give you the grace to understand who you are in him that you will not doubt yourself you will not look down on yourself you have you will not have a low self-esteem you are praying that you have an understanding of the potentials the giftings the talents that he has placed in you that it is able to help you achieve great and mighty things in the name of jesus you are praying to god that you will not be one that procrastinate that every opportunity that comes your way you are going to take advantage of it and you are going to achieve great things with it in the name of jesus you are praying to God that you will not live your life to please people and so cause you to lose focus in life and be demotivated but you are praying to God that your opinion that the opinion that matters to you will be that of God's opinion in the name of Jesus you are praying that you have a sense of purpose you have a sense of agency in the name of Jesus we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed amen we shall kindly can we please kindly take our seats amen the message you just listened to is from icgc caris temple to connect with us you can like our page on facebook at icgc caris temple or follow us on instagram and twitter at icgc caris we would like to hear of how god is blessing you through this podcast to support this podcast please click on the profile button and click on support Thank you and God richly bless you.